stupid on social media, and I made the point that uh, that I'm going to run for president, obviously, someday. It's in my <laughs> aspirations. You might not be a political commentator. You might not be politically charged, but I, for one, now that I've seen Trump do it, I'm going to run for president because I know that, like, there's no fucking way, right? Yeah. There's no way I can't. Like, I mean, dude, I'm smarter than that guy. I'm smarter than that guy. I don't have the money to pass Harvard the way that he probably paid to pass Harvard, but there's Harvard, right? I don't know where the fuck this guy went, but anyways. Yeah. Um, when I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a law that you cannot be a politician if you haven't had several blowout psychedelic experiences. You you need to get to that we level of existence before I'm going to allow you to make decisions for we. Yeah, you can't. It can't be like uh, cocaine and whiskey fueled. It needs to be like mushroom or DMT fueled. Yeah, exactly. You need to throw some ketamine in there and have yourself a fucking out of body experience, man. <laughs> you need to disassociate for a little bit and understand. You need to get to. Uh, you need to get to the fucking whatever they call it, the Truth Network. Once you get to that fucking, once you get to that plane of existence, the and one. you understand the we. Once everything becomes we, then you can make decisions for we. But once you feel the all, yes. Once you feel the all, I mean that seems like a fair thing, right? Uh, I'd say so. It sounds like a fun thing as well, and I think it's well. Somebody else made the point that they would fucking hate to be the trip sitter for that. Oh my god, yeah. Like <laughs> generations and generations of like trauma that had been inflicted upon peons, you know? <laughs> like that just comes out all at once. Like uh, you yeah, you got to be the trip center for like each individual person. Well, see, one of my friends was trying to make the was trying to say that um <laughs> says that uh a group ayahuasca trip so they can cry, puke and shit out all their demons if they're if they're real real hardcore politicians if they're old ones already they need that but who wants to actually like trip sit that like that's like that's work working in an old people home <laughs> i probably shouldn't say that but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i don't know like i feel like some of those demons well i don't know it's like you know they don't die they multiply you can't kill me i only come back stronger yeah. kind of thing i feel like with some of those old old like lizard people-looking politician guys. <laughs> you know, not to get yeah, all no, David I, Icke on anybody. No, one... I mean, I I think for sure that should be a main requirement because it's just a different understanding of people. Once you, you know, once you do that a couple of times, I mean, it's a different understanding of the world and the universe and shit like that. You need to yeah. fucking do that to be able to, to, to be a, a good politician. Like you said... It can't be whiskey and cocaine fueled. No, because it brings on a different kind of energy. And I think you're right, though, man, because it's like everyone who has done high doses of psychedelics or maybe even micro doses of psychedelics, that's like the one thing that they come back with is like, oh, everything's connected. Everybody's connected. And, you know, Mm -hmm. or like if you live like this techno fueled existence and I'm not talking like, you know, goth under a bridge in Germany techno, I mean, like you know, worship in your iPhone type techno. That's usually a lot. You'll turn on that stuff. I mean, you know, I, I had at one point and I've come back to it, but, <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, yeah no, I, I think everybody has, I did, I did 
I, I definitely turned on that shit and got off of social media for a while right after, I don't know, probably, was it right before Trump became president? That Yeah. We had, like, Eric Garner going on and, and shit like that. And, you know, just a lot of people really didn't, and, you know, this was right before Kaepernick because it was that shit that fueled the whole Kaepernick thing. Um, but, I, you know, I grew up in a fucking small town. That's, you know, it was like me and a couple other half black people were like the the whole black population of my graduating class was like one and a half if you add us together. So it was like a predominantly white. Um, and that's like what, you know, a lot of your social media is people that you encountered along the way. And a lot of the opinions that were getting thrown around was just like, oh, my God, dude, these people just don't understand. And it was so fucking frustrating that I had to just get off of there for a while. And then I came back and was like, all right, everything can just be memes. Yeah, yeah, it is what you want to see it, man. I think that's one thing about social media. And one thing that people probably like understand, need to understand, too, is like the algorithm, I guess, shows you what you click on the most, you know. So if you're clicking on like people who produce hateful, vile content, then you're going to get hateful, vile content. If you're clicking on asses mm-hmm. all day gonna probably see asses all day you know so um it's just yeah, it is what you make it yeah that's definitely a, a big part of it and that's i mean probably the main reason why i don't really put too much stock into what what the internet's showing me at any given time because i know that it's kind of catered to you yeah, you know definitely man you know what i've been doing lately is i try to fuck with it i've been trying to break the algorithm like you know, on Instagram, if it suggests something to me, instead of clicking on the profile or liking it like I want to mm-hmm. so badly, I block the page. <laughs> like, <it's laughs> dude, dude no, nah, I've got the worst shit happening, okay? I've got this problem where, like, I like to call it the your internet fairy, all right? Your internet fairy is the thing that tracks you on the internet and makes sure that you see what you want to see. All right, now, I've been fucking my internet fairy up because the things that <laughs> I, I voice search on my your Google. Internet fairy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm fucking the internet fairy up. I'm not fucking the internet fairy. You, you can't fuck the metaphorical internet fairy. That's how you get all those good things suggested on Wish. It's your internet fairy <laughs> is your sugar mama. No, no, but my, my internet fairy, I got it all fucked up. My searching preferences. Like usually I do the little swipe thing to show my Google shit. I want to re- I want to read some fucking articles right now on my phone. I'll swipe it to this side, and it'll show me shit based on stuff that I normally fucking look up. So right now, there's fucking stuff about new AMD Ryzen chips. There's stuff about pro wrestling. There's stuff about fucking video games. There's stuff about air fryer recipes. But like I'm getting it's getting all screwed up because it's starting to work my uh it's starting to work my verbal searches in. And the only time I do a voice search is on my TV. So it's just starting to work my fucking TV preferences into my searches now. So now like I not half of my shit when I go to look for news is inundated with random facts about like Cuz I watch tons and tons of fucking <laughs> special victims units so I'm getting nonstop <laughs> facts about iced tea at all times. I've learned so much in the last week about iced tea that I didn't even know. And I'm clicking on it. So I'm making it that much fucking worse. It's not like I'm not God, they got Damn, me. This guy they loves fucking got iced me. Tea. I just realized I'm clicking on it. I just I want to know I want to know all the things about Ice T and how he got, you know, how he got into the special victims unit and all that. I always said that that's like the retirement job, like wa- working on TV. That's like when you 
If you're like you get to a certain age and you're just happy to have like a regular working job as an actor, probably TV is just like it. Yeah, where it's I, like the actor's version of a nine to five. Yeah, I feel like Ice T. He's kind of weird. Like, does anyone like what is? Does anyone actually respect him as a rapper? You know what I feel like? I feel like he says he's a rapper more than he actually raps. Well, he. Just, I mean, he just got fucking nominated for a Grammy last year for like metal performance of the year. Metal performance of the year. Damn. I guess I'm. Behind. Oh yeah, look at that. He co-founded the heavy metal band Body Count. I have heard of Body Count. Yeah, Cop Killer was a big one, man. Okay. Uh, he's right. respected as a musician. Even the way he got into the industry is well-respected because he just strong-armed his way in. He was just a drug dealer, and he had money and shit like that and basically walked into the studio and was just like, all right, you're going to record me. And it wasn't a question. <laughs> it wasn't. He just told them that they were going to record him. He was like that type of dude that was like, you're going to record me. And he had a rap career, and that was just, you know, it, it, it at the fucking time and shit like that. Damn, yeah, actually, but, now, I'm, now I'm down the iced tea rabbit hole. Thanks, man. <laughs> fucking great. Ice oh, tea, six in I, the morning. Damn, I didn't... Oh, uh, God damn, man. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should, because it's fucking wonderful. Six in the morning. Damn, man. I'm just, Now it's all coming back to me. <laughs> So we got fucking uh, clueless uh, Twitter users also speaking of Twitter. Yeah, I mean, dude, I think, you know, we fucking obviously came here, I guess, probably with the intention to talk about something. But um, I think what you... We're just going what, down rabbit holes, too, is good, though. Yeah, but, dude, no, but it what the rabbit holes that we've gone down and the rabbit holes that everyone gets funneled down ultimately led to the bullshit that we dealt with you know, probably over the past week. Yeah, that's for sure. Cool. Part of the problem is that it's like everybody says that algorithm, that algorithm is designed to show you shit. And the algorithm is designed to show you the shit that you're going to click on. And everybody knows that, it, that it's the negative shit. The negative shit is what gets those clicks. And it's what gets that, that fucking that attention. And because of the fact that, it's you know pushing people it's keeping people within their own echo chambers but also pushing them to the negative aspects of the other person's ideology and thus it's forcing major insane clashes it doesn't help that obviously you've got tons and tons of misinformation out there being fed by <clears throat> the actual politicians and the situations and if it's not information if, if you know if you, if that you don't think it's misinformation then watch how fucking fast they backpedaled on all of it when they saw what happened because they were so fucking terrified of what fucking happened they're like wait a minute hold on hold on this is at my doorstep now maybe we should stop talking all this bullshit and that's just kind of what how you get people trying to arrest via Getty in the middle of a riot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because no one's thinking. No one's thinking yeah, or paying nobody's attention. thinking. No, everybody's just on full attack <laughs> mode. Yeah. It's like the a bunch of fucking rabid pit bulls fighting over a stake that doesn't even exist. Yes. So this article I got here, he's been spotted all over the world. A man who joins hundreds of president trump supporters and stormed the u.s capitol on wednesday was mistakenly identified as via getty by numerous twitter users who have never taken a close look at a newswire photo before this via the daily news Dude, he's my favorite bass player actually via getty yeah 
Oh no, it's Getty Lee. Shit, shit <laughs> bad, dude. They just recently said that they're that you know obviously you know it, but Rush is done. There's never going to be another Rush album or a Rush performance ever again. I thought you just said Russia is done. I was like, oh no, damn, not Russia. breaking yeah, news. Russia. Here you go. <laughs> Russia. Russia has fallen. Um, right now, I am letting everybody know that Russia is done on the road. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> we got a KGB service contract. Oh, this guy, this guy that they thought was Via Getty was the guy that was stealing the podium. If anybody's seen the picture of the guy stealing the podium, which he got um, caught too. He did actually. Get yes, caught. I was going to say he got caught. I saw his mug shot. It was a good mug shot. Yeah, All of them are good mug shots. It was a Florida I mean, guy too. Go figure. Yeah, it was a Florida man. They're all from places where you're like, well, that's not surprising. I fucking hate to stereotype like that, but it's just the fact of the matter. <laughs> all right. I mean, I'm not gonna. I mean, act. when it's when it's, it, you can say it because it's Florida, guys. So I mean, you can say anything as long as it's about Florida, because it's, it's true. Because it's, it's, it's definitely true. It's like fucking Virginia or West Virginia or fucking. I mean, I don't remember which one it is, but Virginia or Mississippi. It's always something. Some backwards ass place, you know. I, I don't know. I think that, uh, like, I hate to say it, but um, I think a lot of it probably has to do with education. Probably a lot of it comes down to education, and just in in terms of like uh, what type of you know attitudes are pervasive in that region. You know, yeah, it's how I'll t- so much of it is how you're raised, and so much of that is breaking away from that. And I've always said that each generation it gets a little bit better. You know, it, yeah. it's you know, and I always and I, I mean, I hope I'm right, but I've always said that this is just, you know, everything is always loudest before it dies, and that's exactly what's happening right now. Is this is a whole fucking generation of people that don't represent the majority of us, yeah, that get to that get to. <clears throat> You know, they get to play like they do for just a little bit longer, but they're fucking old. <laughs> and that's in their, you know, their time to make these decisions is going. You know, younger people are getting more involved in shit like that. And I mean, it's fucking, a lot of it's really, really scary. But it's also better than it has been. It sounds crazy to say that after what we just saw. But. The fact of the matter is, is that when you look at the generation below us, if you're friends with any young people, especially if you get to communicate with people, you know, I'm, you know, I'm old, but old and not old, but, you know, in my 30s and I get to go to college with young people before the pandemic. I spent a lot of time with young kids because I'm in college now and I see that whole generation, you know, and they're a whole lot fucking more tolerant than even my generation was. And it's like each generation, it just goes like that. So it's like a lot of the sh- the bullshit that we're dealing with is going to die off. This <laughs> is fucking <clears throat> terrible as that sounds. It's just the truth. Yeah, I actually would agree with that because I, I think that like um, I obviously don't. There's not very many like kids of that generation or like, you know, kids coming out of high school or um, like college that I interact with. But like, you know, on the rare occasions that I do, I feel like definitely hopeful because you're right. They are as a whole, like, a little bit um, more tolerant, you know, and I think that, like, that that's going to go a long way just towards, like, re- undoing everything that's happened, and I think, like, what you see happening more often than not is, like, old dudes afraid that their way of life is being encroached upon and 
than like the people who are uh, like whipped up into a frothy mess of the people who are like influenced by those old guys, you know, like the <laughs> yep, sons exactly. of those old guys or the, or the yes, nephews exactly. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The ones that just couldn't break away. Yeah. A lot of it's people that just don't have the, that aren't fortunate enough to, to break away from their own communities. And when you don't get to leave the nest fully, when you don't get to explore the world a little bit and see things at a different angle, you know, when all you've ever known is your hometown, it's really, really difficult to relate with what's going on with other people. You have to make an extra effort to do so as opposed to people that just have the ability to travel or have had to move, you know, or have been unfortunate enough that, have, you know, that they've been forced to have to, you know, move around a lot. You know, just people that have that larger worldview naturally tend to be a little bit, you know, generally better about shit, especially involving race and things like that because they've been around those people. And it's really easy if you're, you know, one of those guys that's just repeating what you're, what you heard all your life to just keep being upset about what you're seeing because you think it's, you know, bullshit or PC or what the fuck else ever, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I I think that like, see, the weird thing is, is that like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, I, I definitely condemn anything that happened and there's no way that i i agree with it but it's almost that like i can understand it because we the world is maybe in like a transition point and yeah maybe like the younger generations like you want to fucking look you want to call yourself whatever you want to call yourself good i don't care like because it actually doesn't matter you know but and so they see this stuff changing so it like the world yeah maybe it is really changing and their way of life like is sort of being encroached upon you know but maybe their way of life encroaches upon other people's like ability to choose their own fucking free will and, and intention the way their life yeah no i think that that goes without saying that that's exactly what it does <laughs> and that's part of the problem is that and again like i said it's that people aren't educated to see that it's so hard if you've ever sat down with somebody for, you know, for real and tried to talk to them about these things and tried to explain them the systems that are in place that keep minorities, you know, in a position that they can't really, you know, step out of regularly. You know, it's it's the exception, you know, not the, you know, not the, uh, what is it, what's the rule? It's the exception. It's the exception, not the expectation to get out of a lot of these situations as a minority living in this country. <coughs> and and it's hard to convince somebody of that if they haven't seen it, if they don't know any minorities, if they're not spending time with minorities, if they're not in other communities other than the nice little hometown that they had the privilege of growing up on where crime is relatively low and it smells like cow shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. Which, that's the type of place I grew up in. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I understand that. <laughs> right, and you know what, man? I think that like the the tricky thing about it is, is because like I've obviously over the last year thought like extensively about like racism and people's intentions, and even like myself growing up where I grew up, and like maybe needing to confront situations that I should have handled differently, you know, throughout mm-hmm. my life, and being honest about that shit. Um, but then like probably looking at people's intentions or how they get stuck up in, in, in ways and I think you got like you know a couple a couple different things one you get you get people who are maybe in the upper echelons of society 
and then they view like some people as kind of like a, a service class maybe because that's just what a lot of their experience has been um mm-hmm. or then maybe you have people who like we just even said like oh it's always from these like backwoods kind of places that you hear about you know that the people coming from but it's like maybe they're living in these portions parts that are like living in poverty living in a, a really really terrible situation maybe like in in their own bad situations and then you know maybe like in that they feel marginalized but maybe like this part of it where they don't they don't necessarily um you know they don't feel like there's anyone giving them any like feeling bad for them being marginalized and i'm not trying to say that that's right but i'm i'm literally just trying to like well say that i think that that's where they the angle that they're coming from part of the point that i've seen brought up a couple of times though is that <clears throat> you're seeing obviously lots of these arrests are being made and these people are not from the area they're not from right, even close to right. the area and if you're actually you know like to speak to your first point perfectly like you said it's an upper echelon of people who feel like they're being oppressed these are that's exactly what it is because these people could afford in a pandemic to to you know to get themselves to, to the Washington, hamptons yeah, yeah yeah to get themselves to washington dc for this matter and i know for a fact exactly what you said because i went to high school with a girl who was there who flew out to be there at that protest she did she didn't storm she didn't even know that the storming of the capital stuff was happening you know she had said on her on her status or whatever that uh that you know she didn't know that until she was talked to her mom on the phone but she was at the protest and when we were in high school i remember her getting into a debate with the teacher that homeless people were just lazy or stupid and that they really just needed to work harder to get themselves out of the situation that they're in and that if they weren't so lazy they wouldn't be where they are and i was like see that's a total disconnect and when i relate that memory of her talking about that in class to her traveling to the fucking capital to (laughs) protest what she feels like is her being oppressed it's like how can you fathom thinking that you know oppression when you grow up in that kind of situation you didn't make the effort to understand oppression you know like that's the one thing is that you you would only feel that way if you never made an effort to understand what oppression really is right you know to feel that entitled and you'd only make an effort to dig deep for any of that empathy if your parents taught you that that was something that's important to be like it's a important skill to have as an adult yeah Mm -hmm, exactly and that's i was fortunate you know i i think i was you know some i think i was fortunate to have been raised by a single mother who really promoted you know diversity and 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 really was honest to me about a lot of things, you know, because that's always led to me like being introspective about race and things like that. (laughs) Because like what you said earlier, were you thinking about to your past and what types of things that I possibly perpetuate (laughs) and how did I make things worse? And like I said, I was in a, you know, I was in a class of just a couple of, you know, a couple of half black kids and I, took it upon myself to be that token black kid because that's how i took it that was how i coped with real racism 
was just leaning into the joke because once you lean into a joke, you take away that power from them. And, and I was, you know, I was getting in fights with kids who had called me the N word and stuff like that, and <clears throat> shit that you know, like racism became a real, uh, you know, a real tangible thing for me to have to confront up front. And the way that I did it was just to kind of perpetuate stereotypes, and that was the, you know, that was the wrong way to go about it. But I forgive myself for that because I was, you know, I was a young, I was a kid. Mm. Yeah, it was a <laughs> I didn't realize that mechanism I too, man. You had, you had yeah, to, it was a, you know. Yeah, it was a protection mechanism, and I did. It never occurred to me that I had the weight of of being their connection to the black community. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I had the weight of being lots the of people only minority. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And it's wild. You hear lots of that in all circles. You hear lots of that in like, you know, like in acting, especially where you're like, I really, I didn't realize until I got up here, you know, until I became a celebrity that, wow, I actually have a whole lot of responsibility to my community the way that white people don't, you know? Right. <laughs> and I feel like in retrospect, I had that responsibility and I did not realize I had that responsibility. So it's like, how could, you know, how could anybody have really learned a whole lot if I was just perpetuating a lot of the jokes? And I mean, there was a different time. This was like fucking peak Chappelle show and stuff like that. Right. You know, so these stereotypes were pretty funny. I'm not blaming him for that or anything like that because he coped with the same thing. And that was what made me think about was when he came out and said, hey, I started to get away from the show was because I was like, well, am I just making, you know, people were walking, you know, white people were walking up to me and, and saying the N word, but they were really just repeating my gags off TV. And I was like, whoa, am I making this OK? Yeah. You know, am I normalizing this? And, yeah. you know, is this, you know, is this the right thing to be doing now? I've got people saying the shit from the show and they think it's OK, but it's not. Did I do that? <laughs> yeah, no. And that's a good point. I mean, like, you know, I, but dude, remember, there was like a whole fucking period in the 90s where it was like the black exploitation was like a genre of movies you know what i oh, mean black exploitation like, that goes back, back way beyond the 90s but yeah for sure yeah i mean obviously it started with probably in like the 70s and mm-hmm. like superfly dolomite like all those style superfly of movies and so stuff. good though they all the look so the good. The soundtrack is so good. Dude, dude. Dolomite was one of my Dolomite, favorite yeah. movies in high school. I'm going to let them know that Dolomite <laughs> is my name and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. It's so good. <laughs> Movie is a yeah, fucking dude. incredible, man. Yeah, dude, Dolomite was good. <laughs> I figured out who Dolomite was because there was a clip in a skate video. There was a Dolomite <laughs> clip in a skate video, and I was like, who the fuck? It was that clip, and I was like, who the fuck is Dolomite? What the fuck is this? <laughs> It was in the Gold Wheel Skate video. <laughs> There's one of my favorite quotes, like of all time, for the, is in that movie. It's you got to roll with the punches. The name of the game is Stay Alive, and it's like just some right character says it at the beginning of the movie. It's like you got to roll with the punches. The name of the game is Stay Alive. <laughs> I, I forget. I forget who even said it. It's like a cop or something. But uh, but yeah, a but cop. but dude, I mean, you know, like like I said, that was like a genre of movies. But uh, you know, Dave Chappelle brought up like a a good point. You know, because I think that like. Where I grew up is I grew up in like it was definitely a it was a city you know it was right on the outskirts of Boston, um, so it was definitely very diverse. So it was like outwardly people weren't racist, but like it seems like everyone's parents had these like weird biases that would never come out until it was like everyone was around a dinner table, you know. And that's the type of shit yeah. that would always trip me up because I'd have these friends, and then all of a sudden it would be like. 
wait, hold on. What what are you saying now? Like, and I've actually recently said that to my, I yelled at my mom. I yelled at my mom about something. I'm like, cause she said, I don't even remember what she said. I was like, you know what, mom? Enough. I was like, you don't even realize it, but you're saying shit that's racist. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm not racist. And then she's not. She's not, no, but yeah. she doesn't yeah, realize what she's saying, and yeah, I know that I doesn't sound right. No, 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 one hundred percent. I, I've always said that. I get in trouble sometimes—not in trouble, but some people tell me sometimes that I'm defending racism. I'm I get not in at trouble all, for defending lots of. I get, I get in trouble for defending lots of things. People think I'm defending because I understand and have a very close. Um, you know, personal relationship with things like mental health and stuff like that. You know, I'm one of those people that used to be like, all right, we need to kill everybody that's a child molester and we need to go ahead. And if you're a murderer, we need to go ahead and put you on death row. And then I start to realize like, nah, that's not really entirely their fault that they got that shit hand in life where they were beaten and fucking molested as kids. And now, now they're fucked up people. Right. You know, I get in trouble for defending that kind of thing. And it's this, it's different on a different scale with racism where you're like a lot of the times people don't understand that they're being racist. And then you have to cope with getting through a certain level of shame with people where you, when you try to bring it to their attention, their first feeling is shame and they're going to defend that and they're going to jump against that. So they don't have to feel that shame, even though you can preface it by letting them know that they're not racist. Like just you can say some you can not be a racist person and say some racist shit and that's just all there is to it that's the truth of the matter yeah. there's a separation there yeah and i think that's what i'm saying is i'm not defending racism but no, and you know what it's probably and i don't want people to come off like oh my god his mom's racist like no 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 it's not like that at all like but there just be might might be stuff that she says that maybe perpetuates like stereotypes and just like she doesn't even realize it and you're like look this is why what you say is wrong you know, and it's like, oh, okay. But I think that that's what it's about is it's about like calling that shit up. But is I mean, that's what it is like probably as a parent anyways, you know, and, and I'm sure you probably want this is you just want your kid to be better than you, you know, and everything yeah. oh, and yeah. smarter than you, you know. And like, um, I just think that's what life's about is just each each generation evolving. Yeah. And that's why I definitely <laughs> prefer that my kid is in a more diverse community. You know, he goes to school you know, in a, in a much more diverse community than I did just because I don't want him to have to, you know, to deal with the kind of stuff that I had to deal with. Not that he would because his mom's white. So he just looks like a little, he looks, the kid looks like half Asian. I don't know. His mom's got them fucking eyes, you know? So he actually looks like he could be part Asian. He doesn't look like he's black or anything like that. He's not going to have to deal with the same shit that I had to deal with, that's for sure. But even if he did, you know, even if that was on the table, he goes to a different school where there's a lot more of a diverse cast and he's got friends of all races and ages and stuff like that. And the world connects people a little bit more. And I think that even in the sense that, you know, even in the sense that if you are one of those people that is unfortunate enough to grow up, with one of those parents that's that is super racist and that's where you learn things from people are connected in such a way now that 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 charade that charade is falling that that you know that 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 veil is falling for kids at a younger age because they're like well wait i know that's just not true i've got friends all over the place i've got friends i've been playing with on xbox live since i was fucking 10 years old that are this race i know that that's not true you know yeah and that's why people lose this shit too because i mean think about it like 
You know, when you're a little kid, your parents are your hero, and like even like even old grown-ups, uncles, brothers, whatever people, your hero, and like one by one, it's like not my hero anymore. Oh my god, okay, that's a little fucked up. Now that I get older and see like shit for how it is, you know. So it's like if you grow up one way your whole life, and then you have a whole world of people now telling you that like, yo, that's wrong. Like you, a lot of people just can't even can't even fucking handle that. And that's I think ultimately another thing that. It's just throwing gas on the flames of 2020, just adding to the head to people being pissed <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, and I and like I said, I've had I've been fortunate that I had a random experience. I don't know if I told you about this the other day. I had a random experience like a week or two ago. Um, I play the video game I play the most <laughs> is uh, is Skater XL, and I'm in Discords for it and shit like that. And a while back, I had actually dabbled with learning how to to model to do 3d modeling so i could try to make my own maps and shit like that this was when the game first came out so we're talking like 2018 i think it came out 2019 early two or no it's 2018 i think but um i dabbled with the idea of making my own maps changed my mind i wanted to make a map that was like a new york based type map um i had this kid hit me up not kid but like early 20s he, he's a fresh college graduate um, he hit me up to see if I was still interested in doing that and, and working with him on it. And I was like, oh, I'm really busy with all the other stuff I do now. Um, but we just started talking. He wanted to do a New York map because he's from the upstate New York area. He graduated college um, and he moved to New York City and that's where he lives now and stuff like that. And he wanted to see more spots in the game that were New York City based and he wanted to do that. Um, and we started talking about how much fun it is to live in the city because uh, there's nothing like living in New York City, especially if you're a skateboarder. And you know, it's there aren't many places on the planet where skateboarding is a viable form of transportation everywhere you go. You know, skateboarding is fucking great, and New York is the best place to do it. So we we're just talking about that, and he was talking about how he doesn't like going home anymore, and. And I was like, well, yeah, because, you know, just basic reasons. I'm thinking like, yeah, it's just more exciting in the city. Going home fucking is lame. You know, you got to, you know, you got to kind of, you know, I'm thinking typical family shit. You got to, you know, oh, what have you been up to? Uh, you got to do all the catching up. You got to do all that shit is what I'm thinking he's stressed about. Typical young people shit. And he's like, nah, man, it's just I go back. Now that I've been living in the city so much more, I go back and I, I just see how much more, like, racist my family is and the people that I grew up around, and it really bothers me. <laughs> he, he's like, I don't even want to go back anymore a lot of the times because I know I've got to encounter these people because they're my family, you know, but I don't know what to do about it and stuff like that. And we had a whole long, con we ended up having a whole long conversation about, you know, about how much racism bothers him and stuff like that. And how rough it is growing up in a small town and then getting to see a bigger picture in the world to realize how difficult it is for other people, you know, for no other reason than their race, you know, and how he felt like he had a responsibility to educate them. But it makes him so upset that he can't prop, you know, that he has trouble doing anything but fighting and arguing about it. And it just made me realize more and more that, like, this is the majority of that generation you know like this is you know like we're in good hands our future is in better hands than i think people realize because the kids get all the tide pod jokes and shit like that because they're the tiktok generation and they like having a good fucking time and being dumbasses, which i can't fucking fault them for obviously that's what i do on twitch all the time you know no, you're right they, man I, 
Totally but we're right. In good, you know, we're totally in good hands when it comes to that type of thing. And this is really, like I said, just, just the fucking death moan <laughs> is what it feels like to me anyways. Yeah, no, man, I, I think it's a good point. I think that story is actually good, helpful for me because I didn't actually ever think about it like that. But, like, you know, when I got out of high school, I was picked on all through high school, you know. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean regardless of like you know how every i felt like a marginalized person all through high school because no one Mm -hmm. no one i wasn't really like i had a couple friends but for the most part i'd go to school and i'd end up skipping because i would just get tortured all fucking day um i always feel bummed out when i hear that shit because i am one of those people that was fortunate enough that i had a lot of fun in high school and high school was one of the better times of my life so when I hear shit like that, I always get bummed out because it's like someone missed out on something. Someone was robbed of something that they should have had. Go on. So. Yeah, I could I could see that. But at the same time, man, I mean, like like I, I said, the next part of the story is I wanted to get the fuck out of my town. So I, I moved <laughs> yeah. uh, I moved to like a, a college town, ended up living there and just kind of like doing whatever. I was like the fucking party, just the party animal on campus, you know, like. And, and I had a good time, but I think that, like, um, you know, I was exposed to, like, uh, people of all different types, you know, and just actually, like, v- looking at me as, like, their friend, you know, and it's at that, mm-hmm. it's at that point where it's kind of like, um, you know, I would go back home, and it would be, like, going hanging out with my old backwards-ass friends who were kind of, like, stuck in their ways, you know, and, like, didn't really ever seem like they were going to get out of out of the town you know and it would bum me out mm-hmm. you know so i think that like that just tends to happen i think when you get out of the echo chamber that you grew up in i mean obviously like depending upon what that echo chamber is and who's yelling what within that echo chamber you know that's going to yeah. influence like your inner voice um but i mean yeah i think that like that's that's a good story man because i don't think i ever really looked at it like that but like now that i look back and think about it like when i when i when i started coming back I just got bummed out, and I always felt this urge to leave the area that I grew mm-hmm. up in. Yeah, and you, and like I said, that's it's like a positive and a negative because I feel like you need the people that want to leave to stay in those communities to help fucking you know to help balance it out. <laughs> yeah, you stay home and teach everybody, but it's not that easy. It's just not that easy, you know. And it's really you know like like i said i lived in such a small town i mean we don't have a red light we have a blinking red light one of them stop Damn. signs that's it we can actually throw a fucking rock through this place <laughs> Damn. see my town was big and it was weird it wasn't like and when i say there was racism in my town it wasn't like i felt like it was more racism towards asian people i think that was the most racism that i experienced in my mm. town cuz it was like i think a lot of people who moved into my town were you know, like the Asian, you basically actually, as of the way that I see it now, right? And I'm going to tell you exactly like what I figure it was. You'd have a bunch of like white families who couldn't actually afford the houses that they were in. So they were either renting, you know, from somebody. <laughs> and then like an Asian family would come in and you'd have like the whole entire family literally respect everyone top to bottom. Um, you know, they would come in, they'd buy the house, they'd all have like Lexuses parked in the driveway. And I think that that then like the parents would talk shit. And that's where I think like a lot of that like would come from, you know, it was just this like, um, getting a mirror shown on yourself, you know, and it's like these, these people coming into, um, like your area where you grew up in and making more with the resources that were at your disposal when you fucking were here the whole yeah. entire time. 
Mm-hmm. See, I was, I don't know. See, for me, racism was like a foreign concept. It was like a foreign concept, even though I grew up in an all-white community. It was like a foreign concept. It's just something that I read about in books. I just read about Martin Luther King, and I read about this stuff, and I didn't really understand it. You know, That's good, though. But, I mean, it's definitely and, good. And then one day it came to a head because some kid called me the N-word, and I fucking instant reaction was just to punch him in the face. Like, it was, like, literally not, like... Not like even he think was already, about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he was already in trouble for something else. And somebody was like, Nigel was there, ask him what happened. So he's already got two, there's already two teachers between us. And they're just asking me what happened. And, and, um, and he's, and I told him what happened and it wasn't good for him. (laughs) Yeah, you know, he had done something wrong. And I was like, yeah, well, this is what happened. This is what I saw. And, uh, and he said, oh, he doesn't know nothing. He's just a dumb N word. And I, like I said, two teachers right there just decked him, absolutely leveled his shit, blood all over the place, fucked up his nose, loosened one of his teeth, blood is, you know, like they had to close down the uh, the gym for the next lunch period. They couldn't go through there because they had to mop up the entire fucking gym because he was bleeding all over the place. Imagine that post-corona. And- yeah, post horrible. <laughs> I still have. I still that was in the that was in the seventh grade. I'm pretty sure the seventh grade. Damn. I still have an. I still have the scar on my knuckle from his tooth to this day. So I look. Like, I'll never forget it because I look down at my hand, and I, and, I, and it reminds me every single time. Damn. And at that after that point, I was like, oh wow, racism is actually a thing. And I'd never even thought like like I said, it was the only time I've ever reacted that way. And I got suspended from school for 10 days because it's the state law that if you punch another kid in the face, they have to suspend you for 10 days. You know, that my principal felt horrible doing it. He's like, but it's like, he's like, either I suspend you for 10 days or I just got to tender my resignation. He's like, that's it. He's like, it's a, you know, he's like, I have to legally by law suspend you for this. I hate doing it. I don't, I think he deserved, I think he got what he deserved and I'm sorry, I got to do it. And then, you know, that night my mom took me out to dinner. The next day my grandpa took me golfing. You know, like it was like it was like a fucking vacation. Reception. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, 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 exactly. I felt like uh, I felt like fucking Henry getting welcomed after getting pinched for the first time in Goodfellas. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God, dude, my mom is going to kill me for this. And that's actually the complete opposite of what happened and shit like that. But from then on, like I said, my whole thing was just to make racism a joke because that was my whole thing about anything. That was part of the reason why I didn't get bullied. It wasn't that I didn't get bullied so much, but it was that I had the I, I had quick wit, and I had a I had some you know some friends that I skateboarded with, and I started skating in New York, and all my friends that I skated with in New York are just fucking ruthless roast artists. And I'm sorry, I don't mean, you know, like, but in my experience, white people are not as good at making fun of people on average as people that are like Spanish or black. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it's yeah. just the truth of the matter. And growing up, you know, and spending so much time in Washington Heights around all different kids of races who like their friendly interactions that when they're being nice is to make fun of each other in ways that sound brutally fucking mean. Then when you come back to Michigan and someone tries to make fun of you, well, it's easy it's easy to deal with because your interactions with your actual friends are more brutal than your interactions with the person that's trying to bully you. Yeah. See, man, that's a North. I'm going to tell you straight up. That's a Northeast thing because yeah. yeah oh yeah, absolutely. Cause like, uh, I mean, even I'll say it's like, you know, Boston, 
probably Boston, New York. They start softening up a little bit in New Jersey, so maybe not so much Jersey. <laughs> but if you go down south, like I don't know, I got a, I got a friend <clears throat> from New Jersey who's pretty brutal, but but I'm just saying, maybe like, that's because he's close to Newark or something. Yeah, the Brick City. But uh, <laughs> but like I mean, I've gone down south and. You know, me and my friends will all be, like, ragging on each other, and everyone will be like, do you guys even fucking like each other? You know, like, not yeah. not really getting it. You know, and it's, it's like, no. Even, it's, yeah, even coming back to the Midwest, like, I would go out to New York and hang out with my friends for the summer, and then I would come back, and my friends would be like, dude, you're kind of mean. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, nah, man, this is like, like... Oh, shit, dude, I'm sorry. Like, you have, like, like, it would take, like, a couple weeks to reacclimate to my Midwest friends and, like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm so fucking rude. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't get it. Like when I stop making fun of you, that's yeah. that's when I'm actually mad at you. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, when I threaten you is when I'm actually yeah. mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, because that's how that's again that's another thing is how it is. Is New York is like if you're ma- if you're being made fun of, it's good. If they tell you they're gonna slap your fucking face, then maybe. You know, maybe that's a problem at that point that you should consider shutting your mouth. <laughs> yeah, there's a fine line. <laughs> Well, New York's yeah, New yeah. York's weird because I mean, what I always liked about New York is I feel like, for the most part, no one gives a fuck what you're doing or who you are or what you're no, trying to be. Yeah. They just they don't got time to really pay attention. No one's no one's trying to. Everyone's trying to mind their own business, like, and that's what I always loved the most about New York. Well, see, here's the. I'm gonna sound fucking horrible for this, but it's also part of skateboarding culture. How skateboarding culture used to be. And it's a, it, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a bummer that it's not like this anymore because I'm sure for some kids it, it's really fucking difficult and lots of kids get turned off of skateboarding because of it. But skateboarding used to be a massive bully culture is what it was. Skateboarding mm. was just a hardcore bully culture where the generation of skaters above the younger generation of skaters bullied the fuck out of them at any given skate spot. But eventually, eventually you earned that respect. And then you just all skated together and all those guys that were that bullied you became your friends. And that was just kind of a fucking, I don't know, it was like a badge of honor. You know, like I remember going to New York every summer and, you know, being told to get the fuck out of the way and, you know, and shit like that. And and then eventually after a couple summers... Um, I became Michigan. They would, you know, the the older dudes would call me Michigan because I came out from Michigan for the summer. They're like, "Oh, Michigan's here. He's back for the summer." <laughs> and then eventually, those dudes learned my names, and those dudes became, you know, one of those dudes became a mentor to me and, and taught me a lot about life and a lot about the way I see things and stuff like that, you know. And you don't necessarily get that today because people are just nice. Everybody's just really nice off the bat. You know, it's like skateboarding is a much more gentle community now. It's a much more welcoming community, which is great because that means a lot of kids that probably would have gotten scared off of skateboarding aren't. But also, there's something about the social side to it that's lost. There's something about the social aspect of skateboarding um, that's different than it was before and that's lost to time and that's just never going to be that way again. And that could be a good thing, but that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the way that it was in my experience. No, it's true. Well, honestly, man, I think when I'm, I'm, I totally get that. I mean, I like, I was always into rollerblade, no BMX, but my brother skated. Um, so I was definitely around that culture, but I think when skated 
skating first came out, it was more of like a punk rock, probably fucking like alcohol fueled drunken thing. And I feel like over time skating morphed into more of like a, a chill weed influenced kind of laid back. No, it, that was pastime that. <laughs> it wasn't even that because it was it was like peak bully in like the 80s and 90s and shit like that which was still when it was heavy weed influence when it hit when skateboarding came in in the 90s it turned into street skating heavily it became very hip hop influenced <coughs> it became very weed influenced so motherfuckers would just snatch your board like you couldn't come like everything was plaza based too each city had you know basically like a skate hub like the one spot that everybody would meet up at and you had to fucking work to get to get no not recognized but to get respect fucking jamie thomas he's in tony hawk's pro skater he runs zero skateboards and everything like that he got harshed out of emb showing up in fucking san francisco as good as he was at skateboarding they bullied him out of the fucking spot (laughs) because they didn't know who he was that's just how it was for a long time and it was like that when i was coming up and that was the late 90s and early 2000s so it really wasn't until um it wasn't until like Facebook. It wasn't until YouTube became a thing in skateboarding, and skateboarding started to become more popularized on ESPN and shit like that. Then Tony Hawk Pro Skater too, I'd say, probably helped fuel some of that as well. Tony Hawk. That was probably the beginning of it because that was how I part of how I got into skateboarding was Tony Hawk. You know, the, was those video games. But that was still, by the time I got into it, was still... And I was never like that. I was never, like, the bully type. I, it's just not in my personality to be like that. Like, I like to, you know, like, roast with, you know, like... I like to make fun of people, but in fun, you know? Like, only yeah. if you're going to make fun of me back, you know? And I can laugh at you making fun of me <coughs> also. Right, right. But that was, you know, like, that's definitely gone now. <laughs> Completely gone to time. And so it's... You know, I don't know. I haven't been in it in a while, so I don't know how they earn that respect now. I don't know how. I don't know how the the you know how the younger generation ends up getting accepted now. It's skating's crazy it's now, man. Thing. I mean, I've definitely like I watch it now, and I mean, obviously, like I don't know the intricacies of like the moves, but I mean, I can just look at it from like holy fucking shit, they do stuff like that now. You know, kind of kind of moments when I watch it all the time. I think the coolest part about skateboarding now, like skateboarding's always been ridiculously progressing, like progressing at a ridiculous rate. Like you said, holy shit, they're doing that now. But almost any, almost any, I don't know, extreme or action sport is like that. You know, I used to watch the X Games every single year and watch every discipline, regardless of the fact that I only skateboarded. But I stopped doing that recently when I saw the shit that people were doing on dirt bikes. I was like, what the fuck? When did this turn into BMX? This is ridiculous. Those are fucking hundreds of pounds. How are they flipping these things like this? I know the shit that they do on that is unbelievable. I actually went to the first X Games because it was held in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, it was. That's fucking tight. It That's was crazy. so That's much so fun. Awesome. It was wild, man. That's I was, so awesome. Yeah, it was right next to, right next to the half pipe, um, for the skateboarding half pipe competition. Oh, wow. That's fucking. That's history, man. Yeah, it that's was history wild. Right there. It was at a dope spot too, because it was in Providence. It was like, mm-hmm. right in the middle of Providence. Providence is kind of small, but there's like a nice uh, river that runs through the center the of Providence. <laughs> and the half pipe dude, it was set up right next to the river. It was crazy. <laughs> 
Yeah, dude, that that's uh, I would have loved to have gone to some shit like that. But at the same time, I never made use of it. I was such a shy kid that any time I came across professional skaters or anything like that, I could never like introduce myself. I never wanted to go ask for an autograph, you know, or any. I mean, I wanted to, but I you know I just was too shy to do any of that type of thing. See, I was this like weird. I was weird in those instances. I was always less shy when it came to instances of talking to people of like some type of like elevated perceived perceived elevated social status than I was mm-hmm. talking to like my peers at school I think just because I got made fun of and ragged on but when I got mm-hmm. into these like instances like where I wanted to go say that like I like Gerardo for instance you, you remember mm-hmm. you remember Rico Suave dude <laughs> yeah. dude I partied with that motherfucker in Mexico and I was like a little kid Dude, I remember... That sounds really weird when I say that out loud, doesn't it? I partied with Gerardo in Mexico yeah. when I was a little kid. Yeah, that is. That that's like, <laughs> like Michael Jackson, he gave me some Jesus juice. That is really weird. <laughs> no, it's funny that you say it, like that perceived social aspect of it, because that it, it is so perceived in such a way that to the extent that, like I said, I wouldn't interact with pros and stuff like that. One time we went to a demo in Grand Rapids for what was Hollywood Skateboards, and... Uh, the Nuge was on Hollywood at the time who became, you know, he's a fucking, he's a legend, you know, today, you know, he was the first dude to Ali El Toro. He's done so much crazy shit. At the time, he was just an amateur new kid on the block who had just done one crazy fucking trick. And everybody was like, who's that kid? So he was new and he was at the demo and he was hurt. So he wasn't skating, but we knew he was on the team. And my cousin who chaperoned us took us up there, um, just starts talking to the skaters and stuff like that. You know, like, he doesn't know who the fuck they are. You know, like, he doesn't know anything about pro skating, so they're nothing... They're no... They're, he doesn't know the names, you know? You know, it's like saying, that's, dude, that's John Doe right there. He doesn't, you know, like, it's fucking nobody to him. Yeah, it doesn't so matter. For, so, yeah, so for me, I'm like, dude, he's, talk, he's talking to Justin Roy and the Nuge. They're just shooting the shit. This is fucking wild. My, it's my cousin. And I still am not walking up myself to be like, oh, hey. And they're obviously having, like, a good, interesting conversation. Like, they're laughing. They don't, like, the guys don't seem like they're being, like, get out like of here. forced into the conversation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Clearly. Yeah, get like, out of here, yeah, punk I'm, kid. Like, yes, now that I'm picturing this back into my head, I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, you know, it's totally like it's so much joke. funnier. It's so much funnier because my cousin was, like, their age or older than them, and they're just talking to him, like, whatever. Like, oh, you used to live in California, too. Where'd you live? Oh, wow, we actually live around the corner from that. Hey, hey, Nigel, dude, these guys, like, I used to live around the corner from them. I'm like, wow. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still didn't say shit. He's having this whole conversation. I'm just sitting there fucking starstruck. Like, that's Justin Roy and the Nuge, and he's talking to him. And he's just like, yeah, dude, those guys were kind of cool, man. And I was like, do you know who they were, though? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, I don't know. Just some randos, man. They had to check out the comp. Yeah, he's like, yeah, dude, there were some skateboarders, man. You're skateboarders, too. And I didn't, (laughs) you know. I never, I never took that for I, how I should have. I never learned the lesson that I should have from that interaction, because I went on later on to go to this uh, this contest called Back to the Banks at the Brooklyn Banks under the Brooklyn Bridge, and I was within ten feet of my favorite pro skater, the one that like you know like was always my idol growing up, Heath Kirchart. And he was skating like kind of to himself and he was always known to be sort of a loner. You didn't catch lots of interviews with him and shit like that. 
and I was just like right there, like, wow, that's fucking him. That's him in the flesh. He's right there. Nobody's near him. Like, I wouldn't really be interrupting him to go talk to him right now. And then we just left to go to the skate park. Yeah. I never said a word to him. I was just like, wow, that's him. Like, that's the guy. He's, I've, you know, like, it was like, like he, he's the guy that I've seen my whole life, to, you know. And people don't realize that for a skateboarder, that's like, you know, you, you would take something like that over meeting any famous celebrity that you can imagine or any other famous athlete that you can imagine. So it's really a high level of, of idolizing these people at that young age, you know, and they're just normal, like 20 something year olds blowing their fucking money, not knowing what they're doing. Ended up broke by the time they're in their mid thirties and shit like that. Oh yeah. 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 So, so that perceived social aspect of it is just you saying that made me think of all that. And that's really an interesting thing in general because so many times you could just have an interaction with somebody and if you didn't know who they were would it really matter what they did no it, yeah it doesn't and i think honestly i feel like one of the things that i always look at like is i mean there's been instances where i've like you know been like i was huge in a social distortion you know and mm-hmm. i um i used to work uh, every year when the warp tour would come around i'd work like uh, running 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 is what they would mm-hmm. call it call it for a different band each year um mm-hmm. and you know like so i'd be backstage and i'd be like in position to like talk to or like say hi to like mike ness you know from social distortion he was like mm-hmm. one of my favorite and um i like in that position and i'm like you know what like i respect this dude so much when i'm gonna go up and be like I'm a huge fan, man, and like, what what does that do for him? He's got thanks, man. You know, he's not even gonna be like remember who the fuck I am. Um, so it's like I had this like respected him so much that I'm just mm-hmm. like, you know what? I it's not that I don't want to go say anything to him. It's like, but it's just what? Why am I gonna? F- it's not gonna do anything for his day right now. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not gonna add any and value. That's the thing, and that's the thing is, I've always, I always wonder. But, see, like, I always wonder that, like. It's 50-50 for me because one thing that I always want to tell somebody in that position now that I think about it is if I get into that position is I want to say, hey, I, I appreciate what you do. It does something for me. Thank you. You know, I just want to thank I just want to thank those people, those people that do something for you in that way. I, I just want to give them a thank you. Like, hey, thank you for doing what you do. Right. And that's really that's really it. You know, and I think about it. But that's I don't know thought if you get out. Jaded though. to that being in that position, I don't know if you get jaded to that kind of thing being in that position. But you know, like, would it get would it get old to you? Somebody telling you, it as would a get streamer. Maybe it would get yeah. It probably would get empty, right? I don't know if it necessarily get old, but I mean, I think it goes mm-hmm. back to like, you know, okay, you're saying your, your cousin was just sitting there having a conversation with them, those guys, mm-hmm. and that was probably the best fucking conversation those guys had all day because it was just them. Shooting the shit Being with some normal. random person, not some like ten year old kid walking up and be like, "Oh my god, dude, I love you so much. Can I have some fucking stickers? Can I have some fucking grip tape? Uh, you know, can I touch your touch you real quick? You know, like." Um, <laughs> but but I mean, like you walking up and being like, "Hey, man, um, you know, your your skating does this for me because of this, you know, and I just wanted to thank you." That's like, of course, that's stuff that like probably wouldn't get old to anybody unless there's some type of like sociopath or just generally don't want to be around people you know but that would add value to their day you know so i'd say that it's just i I don't know that's how i've always thought about it man so i mean yeah obviously like i've gone and there's been people that i've approached and said stuff to but it's been there's been a reason 
You know, I always mm -hmm. have a reason. We have never like truly like you ever been like starstruck, but kind of just like let it go. Hmm. Like where you're having that social interaction actively and you you're just like, Wow, this is really happening type of thing. Yeah, but I couldn't let it go. And it was Matt Freeman from from Rancid. You eventually were just like, dude. Uh, he, he was. <laughs> no, dude. I literally like one of the reasons why I played bass is because of Matt Freeman from Rancid. And um, they were one of the bands that I had the pleasure of like getting to work with one year. Um, mm -hmm. And I picked them up in the morning. I had borrowed. Basically, I was calculated. I knew that if there was this one guy that if I borrowed his BMW, I figured that if I was like, because in the morning you basically put what kind of car you had down, and I figured if I put a, like a nice bomb ass car down, then they were, I would get like rancid, and that was my goal was to get rancid. So I put the BMW down. Sure enough, fucking Tim Armstrong pops in the back, and uh, Matt Freeman pops in the other side, and I'm like, oh, and I say hi to Matt Freeman. He didn't say anything. That should have been my first red flag. Um, <laughs> and like, they we go to like uh, pop the trunk cause to put their bags in. And the dude who I borrowed the car from didn't tell me, but there was, like, a fucking subwoofer box in the trunk. So the whole entire fucking trunk was full of subwoofers, and you couldn't put any bags in there. And Matt Freeman got a little annoyed at that point. And so, like, he was like, ah, whatever, fucking gets in the car, and I'm driving him to the hotel. And uh, the car was on cut springs, and it had 20s, 20s on it, too. <laughs> and there was so many people in the back. It was so heavy that the, ru the rim started rubbing. So, like, we had to pull over, and, like, I ended up getting another <laughs> car, but, dude, Matt Freeman was, like, everyone from Rancid was, like, yeah, whatever, I'm, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter, kid, it's all right, like, don't worry about it, like, they could tell I was, like, upset about it, Matt Freeman was such a piece of shit, dude, <laughs> such a piece of shit, so I went from being starstruck to just being, like, fuck that guy, so fuck dude, you, I'm Matt Freeman, fuck you. <laughs> Dude, I have always been, okay, see, that's the other part of the reason why I haven't really ever gone and introduced myself like that is because I've always been fucking terrified of that interaction. Yeah, dude. Just worrying that this person is going to ruin themselves for me. <laughs> I literally, like, I used to like, love his bass lines. Oh. I, just, I just fucking can't anymore. He was such a piece of shit, man. Everyone else in the band was so cool, but he was such an asshole. Oh man! Imagine, damn! You met your idol and you pissed him off. I did. I mean, you you know, look, I get it. Like, he gets <laughs> you in the car. Off your idol, dude. It's like he has to get out. I, I get it. There was it's like it's been a long day, man. Yeah, he slept on a tour bus. He just wants to get to the hotel, get ready for the show. Like, I get it. I get it. But like, god damn, man. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I mean, I've <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm, I'm just literally playing it back it. in my head, and I'm, now I'm like actually starting to get pissed. <laughs> See, I had the opposite happen, but I cool guyed it where I was like, "This is just a skate session. This is just a skate session." I had, like I said, one of those guys that became my mentor runs a skate shop out of his apartment in New York City, <laughs> and he grew up skating with a guy who became a pro skater. Um, and when I was out there the last time, he moved back from California to New York. <coughs> and at, at first meeting him all in and of itself was fucking crazy. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm sitting here fucking smoking 
blunts and drinking beers with this guy and and i'm skating with him like he's part of my skate crew like not like i skated with them one time like but when like you know when i go skate every time i go skate he's there with us that's fucking crazy um you know I remember being totally starstruck the first time he ever, like, fucking did a little homie cheer when I landed a trick that I was trying for a while. Clearly, this was some shit that he could have done a million times over, first try, easily. But he just saw me struggling, going through the struggle of doing this trick, and I finally landed it, and he cheered like it was any other friend he had seen growing up that were fucking pro landing their shit. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's always keep that energy i i will never forget that and i'll always keep that energy where it doesn't matter what it is whether i could do it or not if i see somebody else putting in the effort to do that and even if it was easy for me but it was hard for them seeing them accomplish that that feels good and i always want to let people know you know always want to appreciate people for that type of thing because of that experience but further from that one day we actually go down to far rockaway skate park to uh skate the new park and he calls two other pro skateboarders to meet up with us down at that skate park. And there used to be this fucking show called Skate Maps on Fuel TV that followed the New York skate team around, and these guys were on it. So I literally grew up watching two seasons of these guys on television. You walked in my bedroom, and the first fucking poster you would see by design was like you would open the door, and this poster was right fucking there so that you could see this guy right there in that fucking image when you opened my door and now i'm at the skate park with him and i'm being introduced like you know a friend like all right this is you know this is tim this is nigel like hey what's up you know what's up it's like oh my fucking god this is really happening right now this is just a skate session with me and these two dudes that i grew up watching on tv i'm just like playing it off to, like in my head like i'm just skating with other normal skaters but i was freaking out the whole time right i remember he went on a beer run and asked me if i needed a beer and i was like oh my god this dude is bringing me a beer right now from the fucking bodega <laughs> yeah, like yeah it's <laughs> life is good <laughs> yeah yeah and this was right before like my my ex-wife is pregnant with my son at the time and, and so it's like i go out to new york because i thought originally the plan was i was going to new york and we were gonna i, I was saving up money and we were gonna move out to new york city and we found out two days before I left that she was pregnant with my son. So what it ended up really being was like this random dream come true couple month period where I was struggling. We were living in South Carolina at the time. I was struggling to make fucking ends meet. And I went out to New York. I got a job right away working in Element Skate Shop in fucking Times Square. So right away, I'm working in a skate shop. That's a dream job for me. And then all of a sudden, I f we find out Danny's moving back. So I'm skating with fucking Pro Skater all the time. And then we're going to meet up with other Pro Skaters. We're going to Pro Skateboard video premieres. We went to the Five Borough video premiere. I got trashed and lost on the way home. Fucking pissed in Central Park and couldn't find the train again all by myself and shit. Living the dream. Yeah, those are good times, man. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Did yeah, you but actually? It was all right before. Did you see when you you started talking about Zoo York? Like right before you started talking about that, did you see the? I sent you a clip on Discord of um, nah. my. So my brother used to hang out with a lot of the, the New York skaters, but I just I just Googled like the name of one of the guys that used to hang out with uh, my brother all the time, and I actually hooked up with him like met him like a yeah. year and ago see, that name is a name that i've that that name is a name that i know because i hear i've heard in conversation a lot yeah and he he i could actually get him on here man because i he actually started growing weed <laughs> um but he actually really? uh he started a skateboard company recently um 
but I still I still know a lot of those New York skaters because like my brother. Yeah, see, that's the idea. That's part of the reason for this podcast. I'm gonna go ahead and let it out now. It's to make up for all of that. It's to make up for all of that wanting to ask these people these questions, and that started with Brendan, where I've had this person here, and for whatever reason, I just never wanted to ask him all of. I was never like, hey, let's sit down and just talk about you. I just want to know about you. Let's talk about you. Yeah, you know so him, many... like he's a better friend now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's so many people that I've encountered that it's just like, hey, man, I want to know more about you. And I didn't take that opportunity. And hopefully this is going to give me the opportunity to know people a little bit better. And, and that's what I like about doing this whole thing. No, that's a name, like I said, that I've heard a lot in conversation from Danny. Because Danny, you know, I, you know, I heard Danny, I've heard Danny and, and Eugene talking about him a lot and shit like that. But, yeah, there's a couple of people that would be really cool to get on. He would definitely be one of them. Um, there's lots of people that I'd like to get on here. There's a couple, you know, like I got a friend that I grew up with skating right here that became a filmer and stuff like that. It'd be nice to get him on here. A couple other people it would be really cool to get on and just kind of pick their brains. Yeah, see, like I said, I was never... Uh I tried skateboarding. I was never good at it, but like my brother was in with all those guys. He was on the cover of Thrasher. He was in Trans World. Um, mm-hmm. Hung out. Like if he he ended up having some ankle problems, but if he hadn't had that, I'm like pretty confident. I mean, he would have went pro. Like like it's, mm-hmm. his best friend was Jamal Williams. I mean, and that like you know what I mean. You want to talk about like diversity? That was like the you know as I'm a, a little kid, like these are the people I idolize. You know, it was like my yeah. my brother and Jamal. You know, because they're hanging out. In front of my house, like, jumping off a ramp I couldn't even ever fucking have dreamed to jump off of, you know? Yeah, and and it's funny because I just heard, I'm pretty sure I was just listening to an interview the other day with Zared, who was the pro I was talking about earlier, and Jamal, I'm pretty sure he'd mentioned Jamal a lot in the interview. I could probably... Talking about when he first came out and shit like that. I know, I actually saw, I want to say I saw Jamal, like, um, maybe... Fuck, 15 years ago. I don't even remember, but he instantly recognized me. And uh, so I know if I hit him up, if I could find him, I'm sure I could probably get him on here. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to make it the skateboard podcast. Dude, I don't. But at the same time, this this is is like me talking to people that I want to talk to. And fucking skateboarding (laughs) has been the biggest part of my life ever. So, like, fuck it. If you guys are listening, that's what you're listening to. And me reconnecting with people from my childhood. So it all connects, man. And we, I love, weirdest... I love how we started out to talk about fucking the capital. We start talking about fucking skateboarding, dude. Oh, fuck it, dude. That's the, that's the other thing is I want this podcast to get so a little good. bit more to something. I want this podcast to get a little bit more like our normal conversations where we just kind of yeah, literally jump. like yeah, where we just kind of talk yeah. and jump from you know from topic to topic, you know. And here we are talking about this shit now skateboarding that's just where my mind well, goes now I guess. i'm on a hunt for jamal williams if you're out there man if you're out there man i'm on the hunt for you dude in, the, in a not creepy way at all well no because the only person the first person that comes up is he, he plays for the green bay packers apparently oh uh, no look at instagram man skateboarding exists on instagram nowadays everybody everybody new and old is on instagram I wait feel like wait a, oh no i was gonna say this isn't him yeah, no, this is the football player still, dude. I was going to say, damn, Jamal's balling out with that Land Rover? Fuck, man. He's <laughs> <laughs> balling out, man. I'll find him. I'm going to fucking find him. I'm on the hunt for you, man. I know he's out there. I probably could just, like, t- 
text my brother and be like, hey, can I have his number? <laughs> That's probably the easiest way yeah. to do it. I'm still too nervous. Dude. I've been thinking about I've, I've, my own friend that I grew up with film, and I've been nervous to hit him up. I'm going to start. You know what? We're just going to fucking do it. This is it. We're going to start fucking actually just hitting people up and trying to schedule these things regularly because I had so much fun talking to Brendan last week. I'm sure people had fun listening to that. I haven't really actually like reached out to anybody to ask what they thought about that, but I just want to talk to interesting people. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. I want to talk to interesting man. people with you, my friend. Yeah, I'm down with that, man. Well, we get, I think there's plenty of interesting people to, to talk to, um, you know, especially like with all the bullshit that's going on. I mean, I, I think that that's in an ideal world, that's where I'm at, you know, is you get like, it's like, oh, let's talk about this. And then you start talking about something ridiculous and start reminiscing about something that has zero to do with anything, you know, but in some weird mm-hmm. way, it's like, it's just it's relatable because we're bringing up our experiences and like our experiences have led us to like not be out there fucking mm-hmm. breaking shit and burning shit down, <laughs> you know, and I think we know the, better the, and we have empathy. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing though, is like, it's a, it's a, usually it's like a chronicling of the career when you hear lots of these podcasts that have people like that on there is that it ends up being like all about, just a couple you know one or two things it's just someone telling their life story basically i want parts of that but not necessarily not necessarily in the sense that it's designed specifically for anybody you know like i'm not we're not doing a podcast for skateboarders so you've got to explain some of this stuff to people right yeah but i i don't think like you. it's the same thing that's the same things i want to have people you know like you like you know people that know about weed growing and shit like that but i'm like damn i don't even know what to ask because you know that shit better than i do and i don't even know anything but i want to learn shit right well dude you know what though i think it's relatable because i uh, the one thing that i always like about skateboarding and i think i mean you know any aggressive sports you know like whatever i'd been into is it's like you you know you have the city and you might have all these structures that might be ugly it might not be you know pretty to look at but you see that this like busted up fucking broken barrier in the middle of the street and you're like oh my god that is fucking perfect and it teaches you to just yeah. appreciate the <laughs> shit around like, you and make mm-hmm. do with what you got you know to entertain yourself yes no absolutely that's one of the best things about skateboarding that doesn't go away uh, you know, I don't get, to, I don't skate as much as I should, as much as I would like to at all, um, because I'm lazy. <laughs> no, I don't want to get broke off. I want to build a mini ramp in my fucking backyard eventually, so I can just kind of skate low key shit and not get hurt, right? And not have to ollie and fucking grind crazy shit or anything like that. Um, but like, I don't, I, I just don't get to do it enough at all. Damn, dude, it looks like, so I found the most recent, sorry to, to not even address anything that you said, I'm totally listening, but I found a thing about Jamal Williams, I'm on the hunt, man, it looks like this, the most recent article I found was from 2018, and he's an artist now, which is actually pretty oh, dope, nice. it's actually pretty dope, I'm gonna send you this, I'm gonna find lots him, man. Of them, lots of skateboarders end up getting into artistry and different things like that, it's different now, it's, it's different now. That's the other thing I want to talk about is just how crazy that is as a job to, you know, like not necessarily, you know, like talking from one skateboard border to another, but explain to people like skateboarding is kind of a dead end job, dude. (laughs) Right. Like skateboarding is kind of a dead end job and it's a good dead end job, but it's still a dead end job for a lot of people. And that's changing a lot now because like it used to be just 
a feeder system of kids. And once those kids eventually got older, stopped skating, got on drugs, what the fuck ever, skateboarding, just chewed them up and spit them out um, because there was no mentorship. But now, because skateboarding is such a young thing in general, um, now, though, lots of those people that were young people starting their own skateboarding companies are old people that own the skateboarding companies and can offer some form of been there, done that to these kids, you know, because it used to be, you know, it used to be like they have no fucking grasp on it. They've never seen anybody go through it. They've seen people come out on the other end. You know, lots of these skateboarders that are successful now went through rehab. Right. <laughs> you know, they're that are still around in the industry. I mean, went through, had to go through rehab and had to go through a lot of shit to get to where they are to even still be alive for a lot of them. No, it's true, man. Dude, you know what, though? I fucking I hate the whole like dead end job thing. Honestly, life is a fucking dead end job. And it's like I think that like all you need to do when you're here is like find something productive to do to pass the time doesn't even necessarily need to be productive it just needs to like be productive in the sense that like your boredom doesn't infringe upon anyone else's fucking right to enjoy their life you know (laughs) i don't mean dead end in the sense that it's it's finite the amount of money that you can make in it is finite and your ability to do it in the time that you can do it in is finite so you could easily find yourself at the end of your career completely without a penny to your name right and no skills and anything else in life that you can translate because all you did was something that you were fucking one of the best in the world at nonetheless but that does not matter because if you walk into a fucking random walmart chances are the people in that store have no clue who you are right no it's you know it's not necessarily dead end in the sense that it's that i don't appreciate that's you know i don't know it's weird it's just like i said it's like if you're not a legend if you don't make a successful company yourself you you know you have a very finite amount of time to make money and there's not a lot of money to be made in skateboarding compared to how there was because there's so many more pro skaters there's so many more skateboarding companies than there ever have been before that it's just a harder industry to maintain yourself in right no and I, lots of professional skateboarders that have their name on the bottom of a pro- prominent skateboard company board also work in the warehouse stocking for those companies and shit like that, you know? Oh, right. Yeah, but, dude, I think that, like, that's a company's... I think that that's a company's job, or, like, you know, to make... Give someone the image that they're, you know, better off, or, like, bigger than they are, you know? So it's... I mean, that's, like, your name's on the bottom of a... Oh, that guy must be doing fucking amazing. Yeah, no, that's all... The, it's, a, it's, a, it's You know, I mean, it's... The like, skateboarding industry, <laughs> if you're looking at it from a capitalistic perspective, it's just a marketing industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, so you're right there as far as just, like, you. it's their job to blow up the perception of these people that ride for the companies and stuff like that. Yeah, because then that's but, how they sell the board, because it's, like, minor... I mean, obviously, there's not, like drastic sweeping differences for like board to board there's like obviously they have different feels and i mean that little minor feel is going to like translate into a big thing but like ultimately what sells the board is like the graphic or the name on it Mm -hmm. yeah it's always the marketing not you know it's whether it's the company itself not even necessarily the name or the graphic but just the company and the way that the whole company presents itself. Because for, for most hardcore skaters, you don't care whose name on, is on the bottom of the board. You might pick this company because you like that company, but it's just got to be the right size. <laughs> and some sometimes your favorite skater doesn't skate the same size as you, so you're not skating his board because it's not the skate the size you like or some shit like that. But regardless, you're picking that company 
you know, because you like how they market themselves. I mean, I'm not fucking, I'm still very much a, a cog in that wheel. <laughs> right, right. Because I'm always like, most of the shit that I buy is still skateboarding oriented. I still dress like I'm like 21. Oh, me too, dude. I wear, I wear fucking, I've, my first. I know, because I'm always like, damn, his shit's tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's literally, <laughs> like hoodies, just literally skate gear. That's all I wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I don't even, I honestly don't even care, man. I just, you know, because I think that, like, um, you know, when you say something like a, a dead end job, you know, or any of those type of like phrases or terms that people use to marginalize somebody, right? And that's mm-hmm. like how this whole conversation started about marginalizing people. You know, at the end of the day, it's about like whatever, you know, you need to do to get by as long as that isn't fucking, you know, marginalizing, infringing or hurting anybody else, you know? Yeah, so no, if, I think if that, that's skating, I think that might, so be it. Man. I think my definition for dead end job is a little bit different where it's not necessarily a critique on the job itself, because obviously you can tell from the rest of this conversation, skateboarding is literally my favorite thing in the whole fucking world. Yeah. So I'm obviously not trying to down talk skateboarding, um, I'm just I just clarify as a dead end job is anything that you can anything that can be like completely gone tomorrow with no like recourse, you know, like there's no going back, you know, like you can't get that job back. There's no like, you know, like once you once your skateboarding career is over, it's basically over. And unless you transition into becoming a skateboarding company owner or you're doing something else in the industry besides being a skateboarder, you're not going to make money in that industry anymore. You know, it's not necessarily calling skateboarding a dead-end job is a bad thing. It's just one of those things that it's like your, you know, it's like your brother. Like, hey, if you bank your whole life on skateboarding, not that your brother did. I'm not using that as an example, but I'm using his injury as an example. If you bank your whole life on skateboarding, your whole career on skateboarding, you blow out your knee and you just can't do it at that level anymore, that's it. You know, like there's nothing else that you learned. There's no other skills that you picked up through skateboarding a lot of the time that can carry you. You know, that's why lots of the, you know, lots of the post skateboarding career stories are really sad because people don't know what to do after skateboarding because they don't have any developed skills and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) And we're all fucked up people, too. Oh, man. I'm like, I'm like laughing. My bro, sorry, my brother. Uh, yeah, man, bless, bless his heart, man. But yeah, I think he probably should have been a pro skateboarder. Probably couldn't really find anything that like totally resonated with him. And then I think when he turned like I don't even fucking thirty something, his wife was like, "You need to make something of yourself." So he fucking uh, joined the National Guard, and then his wife like divorced divorced him when he was in. Um, in the national guard oh then his wife was my ex-girlfriend but i'm not going to get into that part of the story right now but at any rate um he ended up going to the national guard and now he's getting like deployed to afghanistan at like the age of fucking 48 you know 49 dude it's just like but that's like the after effects of skateboarding you know like the ones that didn't turn out like that they he doesn't do drugs you know, so like yeah. that's why he like if he had done drugs, he would have just ended up like a lot of those people people did. They just mm-hmm. could never totally figure it out. But a lot of them, it's starting to click. You know, like they're just starting to get mm-hmm. everything going now. Yeah, 
It tastes just and well, and that's that whole dead end job part of it that I've mentioned is kind of changing in the fact, you know, that I was saying earlier that now those older skaters or those younger skaters that started companies are older and can mentor these people and talk to them about life after skateboarding, you know, because that's a whole, you know, like that's a whole thing now where you're seeing lots of skateboarders are bec- are investing their money now and making tons more money than they did in skateboarding because they're being smarter about it than the generation before them. But it's also because you got to have an out. Skateboarding is like being a professional athlete. If you're not a top-end professional athlete, if you're not one of those fortunate ones that get to make a whole ton of money that's going to get you set for life, you got to be thinking about what you're going to do when that's going when that's over because it's going to be over. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I look at that at like I actually think about that all the time when I watch Twitch and I, I mean, even just like watch my own replays on Twitch and shit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. Like, you know, I literally like you just spent fucking this week. You, you fucking streamed 10 hours a day, you know, so when you streamed like 60, 70 hours and there's a lot of people that like stream full time and respect to them. I'm not trying to poo poo. Mm-hmm. That's just not my thing. But it's like if Twitch disappeared tomorrow, like, what do you do? You know, like, what do you, what do you, if like this live stream and plat, what are you gonna go? What, what is it? You know, like, well, what does that turn into? That's why it's extremely important to diversify your brand across a number of platforms. Yeah, that's why it's really important to you can't you can't make your whole life on Twitch. You need to be on you need to be everywhere else. You need to be on YouTube. Twitch has already proven that this isn't a platform where your content can exist throughout time. They're incompetent. They cannot do that. They already have people deleting their entire library of VODs and they're what is essentially a lot of these people's life work is going poof, you know, because Twitch can't handle the DMCA shit and they shot themselves in the foot with all of that. You know, you've got to be on different platforms. Otherwise, you're going to be in a problem in a situation where lots of the people on Mixer where where Mixer went poof and a lot of these people started over on Twitch or some of my favorite streamers that have moved, you know, like GTA RP has been kind of a lightning rod. And some of the bigger GTA RP streamers have moved from Twitch to Facebook. And it's wild because I've watched, you know, I watched someone go from over a hundred you know from averaging a hundred to two hundred viewers a night to at sometimes i'm sitting there in chat watching them on facebook and they've got the same amount of viewers that i have on a thursday at midnight you know as just a random streamer it's like damn just like that it's all gone if you don't have it someplace else if you haven't done enough work to be able to say hey we're moving platforms guys we're gonna you know that we're gonna be making content over here now you've got to know how to monetize all of those if you're going to be a content creator mm-hmm. yeah no that's definitely true but i think then that, if that... you're going to base your career on it if you're you know if it's your whole livelihood because like you said what if twitch goes poof because that's what people don't realize is that twitch is like a 0.01 percent fucking thing on the bottom line of amazon a massive company Twitch is nothing to them. If it becomes too much of a pain in the ass, it's not that big of a loss, even though it has capitalized that part of the market for them to just be like, fuck Twitch. We, we, this is a pain in the ass. Let's get rid of it. Let's not do this anymore. And they can go the way Mixer went real fast. I think that they're going to end up... I think what you're going to end up see it turn into is probably more of like a... I don't know the right way to describe this, but like, let's just say somewhere between where it is now and like where the Amazon streaming video services, you know, so just in that, like, um, just, just in that, like, uh, 
sorry, I got a text message and they probably heard that. I apologize. <laughs> just somewhere, in, they're trying to get make it somewhere between like where Twitch is now and the video streaming service. You know, just in that like, there's these like hyper polished streamers, or you kind of pick your poison and you find these like little communities that you can mm-hmm. interact with. They can do fucking watch parties, and then they can just use it to augment all these other ways that Twitch has and Amazon has diversified their revenue streams. You know, so I think that like you're probably going to see it trend more in the direction of like um, being hyper polished in PC and needing to keep everything 100 so that they don't get sued by anyone. I see. I see. I think that the perfect platform is something in between Twitch and Facebook because if it weren't for a couple of the quality of life things in Twitch, I'd go back to streaming on Facebook because it's just a cooler platform to interact 24-7 with your audience. You know, because as it is right now, you got to go a couple of, you know, you got to send them off someplace. Mm-hmm. You got to talk to them on, you know, you got you can talk to them on Twitch and then you've got to go to Discord to continue the conversation or they've got to be following you on Twitter or something like that. It feels like an all-stop shop when you're streaming on Facebook and then you get off and then you make a post to Facebook and you can still kind of keep the conversation going. You know, you can still kind of get your brand out there and stuff like that. I think that Twitch needs a more social media aspect to it, you know, <coughs> so that people can interact with their favorite streamers when they're not around in an easier manner. And if Facebook, the main thing that's wrong with that place is they have a 15 fucking second latency delay at the minimum. Well, the other problem is that it's Facebook too, right? You know, like any of the optics of like, you know, any privacy concerns that people have brought up over the years to do with Facebook and stuff like that. I mean, it's like... uh you it's know. not any different with Amazon. It's not any different with Amazon. I mean, it's and not any, at least probably I'm, not any bigger with like any big corporation you know but i'm just saying i I feel like that that's gonna be one thing that's gonna hurt facebook i mean not for nothing but like i i don't have a facebook profile and like i think that like twitch is less invasive in that like i can stream and i can shut twitch off and then i don't need to worry about someone like being up on my timeline with some stuff so i think that like like I get. What well, they're separate timelines. You, that's uh, you, you. They're separate timelines. That's not the same thing. I'm just saying in you, terms of being on that platform and then needing to like interact with Facebook as is intended. Like Twitch, I can just stream on it and I can drop the mic, so to speak, and just walk away. Um, yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. Is you, it's, it's still part of. Like I said, it's different if you don't want to do it as a full-time thing. But part of being a content creator is still communicating with your audience regardless of whether you're live or not. And we do that through mediums like Discord and Twitter and things of that nature right now. But when you're streaming on Facebook, you don't necessarily have to build all of the multiple platforms up as much as you do when you have your social media platform entirely separate from your streaming platform. That's why I think Twitch should add more of a social media aspect. It would be cool, like like YouTube has. YouTube, you can kind of read random posts here and there about, you know, if there's a channel announcement in writing, it can pop up on somebody's feed. They don't have to be there at the time, 
there might be a random stream, for example. Right now, I have to hope that if I decide, like, hey, dude, I got some free time. I'm going to do an extra stream right now. I have to try to hope people notice when they see the Discord notification because it's not my regular scheduled time. I have to hope that they see it on Twitter or something like that. But if I could warn them about it on Twitch and they might be earlier in the day watching somebody else on Twitch, but they see a post on their kind of Twitch feed that you know tells them I'm going to be going live at a certain time later, they can kind of see that still. That's kind of one of the benefits of something like Facebook. Not necessarily Facebook itself. I'm just saying Twitch needs more of a social media aspect to it. Yeah, because definitely. I think the perfect thing is, that I think, like I said, the perfect... <coughs> I was mostly commenting on not necessarily Twitch versus Facebook, but for me, the perfect streaming platform is something right in between Twitch and Facebook. Because sometimes, like I said, I like to make those posts, but I just have to hope that that other people know because I noticed I noticed that I have a larger audience that I'm not able to reach because they're not following me on all of my social media platforms but my audience that exists on Facebook is there every single time I stream because mm-hmm. they because it's a lot easier and accessible but i always do think that's because it, yeah and because when i make yeah because it's like when i make a facebook post there it they see it you know they they use facebook a lot or whatever the thing is twitter twitter feeds are fucking wild you know like twitter feeds people follow thousands and thousands and thousands of people on their twitter feed on facebook you have your friends and family and a couple of pages that you might like so it's like i'm getting more i get more interaction with the people that do like it over there just for that reason because like even if they followed me on twitter you kind of got to seek it out or you got to f- check the bell or what the fuck else ever and stuff like that you know it's not necessarily like i said that that facebook is the better overall streaming platform but just that i've noticed the connectivity i've only noticed it since some of those gta streamers came over to where i'm like hey i'm seeing more of the streamer now i don't really f- get on you know i don't get on instagram as much as i should or twitter as much as i should so the fact that they can make their social media posts to the same platform that they stream to i feel like there's a benefit there right yeah well i think the biggest issue with twitch has always been the discoverability so i think as long as they change that because i mean i think even for me like if i'm like okay i'm bored of watching the same streamers all the time like i want to find someone new like you, it's hard to it's find, hard someone, to find new. someone new. It's pretty much just like, okay, who are they suggesting for me today? It's like, okay, titty streamer, titty streamer, titty streamer. Nope, 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 nope. Like, I'm all set, you know, for you know, now. One like, of the things that I like listening to you talk about on stream, not talk about necessarily, but you make it a point to ask people how they found you. Yeah, it's important. You often ask people how they found you. I don't have enough people finding me right now. My growth has died completely. Dude, well, you know what you need the the so here's this the grind with Twitch is you mm-hmm. it seems like once you get to 15 if you can get to like a 15 viewer average and it's, it'll start putting you into recommended yeah that yeah that recommended and once you whatever. get in yeah, recommended I'm, then it's like uh, it seems to be very very easy to grow mm-hmm, probably to up growing. to a certain yeah point. I've been yeah I've been it's hard to really I don't know I don't know what it is or what I'm not doing right quite yet. <laughs> because just like I'm not getting anybody popping in I'm not really you know like it's like what I have is what I have I'm not really growing I've had like I've been like within 10 followers of 200 followers for like two months oh dude dude I it took me I fucking I want to say that like now there'll be some days that I'll get more followers than it, I got in like three months because it's it's like uh, you hit a certain point 
where mm-hmm. it just stagnates. And I, I mean, I want to say there was like, I could look at my stats. There was one month I got like <laughs> three follows, maybe. It yeah, was yeah. Like yeah, so no, I've for sure been there. Man. Yeah, and part of the part of the problem was was before I was streaming to an audience of my peers, and I had a lot more of my friends that could watch me because I was streaming after they got out of work, right? And after after you know after some COVID shit happened and stuff like that, and things have been all crazy. Now my schedule, I don't even I don't fucking know anybody that stays up as late as I'm streaming. Yeah, that's see, that's my problem is like I, if you were on like I mean this is we're closing in on like a couple hours past my bedtime. But like if you yeah. you know when you were starting early, I was always able to get there. It's just my things that like the late. I think, and that's the other thing too is the time slots probably like people people are creatures of habit. You know they have their mm. spots to go, so it's probably just all about like finding who's okay, who's up at that time, what are they mm. doing, and what do they want to see. Those are the questions you need to ask yourself. Who's up at that time and would be wanting to come watch my stream. And then mm-hmm. once I figure that out, what are those people watching? What are they? And then like how? What do I want to do? And do the do those two things align, or is there like a halfway point? Yeah, I was gonna say there's a, there's to say there's some balance there. Yeah. I'm finding because I don't know, dude. I'm getting there. You know, it's tough to do the fucking character for too long, and I want to do longer streams, but I can't. I I hit. I start to hit a wall being in character for longer than four hours. I don't think I see where I look at your stream. I personally think, and I mean, I've done this. The couple times that I've done characters on stream is you just like use it like fucking Saturday Night Live would use it as a skit, you know, just like going in and like, oh, okay, like, oh, I'm going to go use the restroom real quick. And then like the camera comes back on and it's like, or like, oh, let's go watch this show or something. And it's, yeah. And it's part of the problem is that it's not as fun to stream. First of all, coming up with more characters is fucking difficult if you're coming up with them in the sense that i'm coming up with them where it's more than just a voice it's a personality this character has to have and they have to be different from the other character it's difficult really difficult to come up with more characters and i'm working on it which is why i'm you know like that's something that i've been talking about doing a different you know we, we might play something with jesus christ here soon yeah um but you know, but like coming up with different characters is difficult, and quite frankly, I have more fun when I'm streaming in character. I laugh more, <laughs> you know, like, and that's that's you know part of the main reason I'm there is to fucking is just to laugh and do funny shit, and I laugh a lot more. It's kind of you know like I get bored just streaming as myself. Yeah, I'm boring, I, I guess. I <laughs> I bore the shit out of myself. I think. Well, I I don't know, man. See, I think that that all comes down to like. You know, if I'm just sitting here staring at a fucking computer monitor and a camera, then I'm going to be bored too, you know? But, like, that's why it's, I think then it's probably just, like, okay, well, what else, what else do you do, like, to entertain yourself and what would be entertaining? And then, like, you know, I think that obviously you need to stay true to yourself. Obviously you need to be having fun. And if all you have fun doing is characters, then you just need to figure out a way um, to make sure that it's not too much work to do those characters or get or craft the stream. I've, I've said this to you before, like my, my dad term, I feel like every dad needs to make up their own like dad phrase. And my yeah, dad phrase that I make up is, a uh, if you're going to paint yourself into a corner, at least make sure you like the fucking color you pick. <laughs> no. And I really like that fucking phrase. You've told me that before. <laughs> and it's like, you're not wrong. And it's like, sometimes it gets stressful and I do want to stream, but I want to be out of character. But then the, the times that I do stream out of character, I'm like, this isn't really 
you know, this what? isn't as fun. And dude, you know what? Though? <laughs> like, this isn't as fun for me. Here's one thing I recognize too, and this may or may not be something, but like, I I think one thing for me is I notice like obviously a lot of people come back, and what keeps people coming back is like the the interaction and like the real interaction, you know. So I mm-hmm. think that like if you come and you constantly interact with a character, and I've interacted with like you and interact with Piss Jug enough to like, you know, know that. The, you're still like a personable person like you can still come in and say stuff and talk to you when you're in the character and stuff like that but maybe there's yeah. something to like people wanting to you know have some type of like real interaction so maybe if you can just find like a way to integrate both of them you know where it's like a, mm-hmm. a greeting you know like you come on like hey what's up everybody how's it going fuck i don't i don't even know the answer here dude i'm just literally just yeah, spitting no, on man no but i'm still i'm still i'm, I'm willing to listen and, to anything about it though that's the thing is cuz it's, it's like every any, anybody can have a good idea about it it's like the only problem like I said, the only problem is really ended up being able to do it for longer than four hours and stay in character. That's tough, man. But the problem, yeah, but the problem for me is that it's just, it's a literal, it's a different mindset for some reason. When I'm in character, my brain just works in a different way, and the shit that comes out of my mouth, I don't even fucking know how I think it up. And it's like, sometimes it's as much about making me laugh as anybody else, and being in character sometimes is so fucking funny to me. That's like it has to be funny to other people. Either that or I just have a ridiculous ego and thinking I'm hilarious <laughs> or something. But it's like a lot of the whole thing is like sometimes it's like I like getting to that point where something comes out of my mouth that I'm like, what the fuck did I just say? Because once I get to that point and make myself laugh, I'm having a good time. And, and that doesn't happen when I'm out of character so much. When I'm out of character, it's just like I'm hanging out. And that's cool, but also, like, you know, it's like doing a four-hour podcast instead of just doing a two-hour podcast or something. I guess it's not so bad for someone like you, but for someone like me, like, I don't think I could... It's so much work to come up with all of that than it is to just improv the way that I improv. Yeah, I... See, I don't know, because I feel like... I, I feel like the way that my brain works for improv is I... I'll find, like, an outline for my brain to kind of base everything off of. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, I don't know, man. It's it's difficult to look because you're also talking here to someone who, like, when I, when you, I'll, I'll sit there and watch you do Piss Jug. If you were on at 6 o'clock at night, you know, like, when you were on earlier, I'd sit there and watch you guys, like, watching Chet Haglin in the back was still, like, one of my, peak twitch moments for yeah, me that, you know what i mean that like, was, yeah, that, was, that, was, a, that was my favorite stream for twitch sure moment so like i mean i get it but uh you, you know what maybe that there's like uh maybe there's a happy medium you know and that like maybe you you can still explore tangents and and stuff that make yourself laugh you know without yeah no that's what i've been thinking about doing like like you said is striking more of a medium diversifying where i'm putting what media and stuff like that. I want to. I've been thinking about doing a piss jug podcast, like a short one where it's just piss jug rants for like thirty minutes every fucking other day or some stupid shit like that. That way, I can keep the character alive and move around a little bit more on stream while doing different stuff, and people can still have some piss jug or doing some piss jug content that's YouTube exclusive. So that way, I can free up when I'm doing live on Twitch a little bit more and stuff like that. But at the same time, a lot of the fun part of 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 that whole thing is interacting with people and in that character and stuff like that um but i definitely got a lot of ideas 
for how to change it up. I'm working on a lot of different stuff on as far as that goes. I'm just also trying to get through the stuff that I've already announced. I get ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying <laughs> and not tell to people we're doing anymore. shit, and then I got to do that shit. Yeah, I try not to announce shit anymore. I just like yeah. I don't say anything. I just like fuck it. This is what it well, is. Well, it's because like when I think it in my head, it doesn't seem like a lot, and then when the time comes, I'm like, oh damn, beating video games takes time. Yeah, I see where I'm at. Like, I don't. I love video games. I don't know if my love affair is waning with video games, but I don't seem to have like as much fun playing them. And I think when I first started streaming, I played the video games almost as like a nervous distraction for myself. You know. Well, I have, I, I'm kind of in the middle of like where I don't want to have, I don't want to end up having trouble with like the shit that I'm watching on stream at any given point, you know, like I don't want to be restricted. I don't want to have to worry about getting DMCA'd or shit like that. I don't watch lots of shit that's on like Netflix and stuff. And I have this internal conundrum where it's like if I'm watching the content that I watch on YouTube when I'm just hanging out by myself, am I taking away views from those people? You know, like, it would be... I don't you know, necessarily... It, it, I would say it would add to it. And I'm with you on, like, the whole Netflix Like, imagine... Thing. I mean, I because mean, I don't, I mean, I don't imagine really like instead too much Netflix stuff, because I think that it is only a matter of time before that shoe drops mm-hmm. with them, like, banning people for different shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I'm, I think I'm with you. And I think that, like, Twitch... And this is where I stand on the DMCA thing, man, because I feel like how many bands have you found out about through Twitch that you never would have heard about before ever, 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 you know? So I think no, that's a similar that's just thing. the music industry is behind times. That's a little bit different. The music industry is behind on the times. It's not necessarily the artists. It's the industry itself and the way that they make their money and the way that they function. They don't see it like that, even though they need to, which is crazy because that's how their artists get picked up in the first place. They get picked up because they release free content that catches on and gets millions of songs and then there millions of hits and then they get the record deal after they make a hit after they've already generated buzz that's when they get picked up by somebody but for some reason the record labels themselves can't see the value in that so they try to charge people for every little play of every little song if you're on a stream and stuff like that because they don't see the value and that person who heard that song on the stream going to listen to it themselves afterwards and it doesn't work that way with viewing content so much so i see it being a bigger problem for something like netflix than something like the music industry even but the music industry doesn't get it because like you said how many cool artists have you noticed just been like hey who the fuck is this how many times have i asked you during your stream what are we listening to right now <laughs> yeah, oh yeah i yeah. do it all the time yeah. you're always like i'm gonna send you the playlist right now hill valley yeah. i don't know how many times i've heard that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know but no i'm with they don't see the value in that the, the record company themselves right no man i'm i don't know it's definitely weird i think that uh I think that it's going to be interesting to probably see how the next year goes. And I actually don't I think I think that this year they made such a like a big deal about it because people were online consuming so much more media. That's what people are like in not only that, but media in terms of like how people get their merriment from it has been decentralized, yeah. you know, and all these mm-hmm. different platforms. So it's not like before where you just paid the big comcast conglomerate and they stuck a fucking wire in your house you know there's a million different ways to get what you need now so um Mm -hmm. that's why they're trying to like 
you know, put fucking flex seal on all the cracks. <laughs> <laughs> trying to yeah, Billy like Mays the just, fucking boat. Yeah, I mean, I get part of it, though, because like I said, what if instead of like instead of me doing what I do where I'm regularly, I regularly like even though you don't have a Facebook and like posting up your stream on Facebook and trying to get people to move over, you know, come over to Twitch and watch you and shit like that. But what if instead of that, I just like stream and watch your stream on stream. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, I while I'll stream at the same time you're live streaming, I don't have to come up with content anymore. I'm just going to stream over your stream. <laughs> and instead of directing those people to you, I'll have them watch you through me. Dude, you would be surprised. There's actually uh some people there's actually people I see that often. I actually see that often. Are you fucking kidding me? No, like people who watched other people's streams or like and, and I'll even go there and I'll be like, what? Like, literally, like, okay, you're actually just sitting here watching someone else's stream. And most of the time, the people who are watching your stream will just click off and go watch that person's stream because then they can interact <laughs> with that person's chat. This <laughs> <laughs> is like stupid as shit. Yeah, I mean, you got to be a really unpersonable motherfucker to go that route in the first place, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, shit, it's probably a good time to call it. I got a piss. Piss jug, man. <laughs> piss jug. Anyways, next week, who knows what the fuck we'll talk about. We were going to talk about the Capitol and all the shit that's going on, and instead we just bullshitted for two hours. Dude. So I hope you guys like this one. Yeah, it, don't, it don't matter anyways, though, man, because I think that that's the way that everyone's going to probably hear it. Um, moving forward, I don't necessarily think that, like, it's the roach joint, you know? And if you think about, like, what a fucking roach joint would be, you know, like, everyone's got, like, that that jar maybe everyone doesn't maybe i'm gonna expose myself here a bit but like that <laughs> jar of like dusty old roaches that they've been saving for the fucking when cor when coronavirus happens and everyone's locked down and all you gotta do is live off roaches for three weeks before your fucking dealer comes through and it's all roaches from like fucking every types of weed and there's seeds and all types of shit in it so like you never know what you're gonna fucking get you're gonna get everything and you're gonna probably get nothing it's not gonna be much substance to it but you might get high from it it's all that matters <laughs> 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 <laughs>